0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, I'm on episode 142. Hello, hello, hello. There is so much to get into, but before we get into anything, let's talk about um, going to a day party, going to a club, going to an establishment where there is a lot of hip-hop being played, you know, just nigga shit, and, you know, it's a good time, but... I am noticing a couple of things. Let's talk about the first thing that I notice. As I'm walking through, because you know when you're going out with your friends, well, at least me and my girls will will stay initially. We'll stay stationary with the people that we're with, and then we'll say, "Okay, you want to walk around?" So we, do, you know, do a lap. You know, do some you know quick track running in field happening. And as I'm walking through, I'm noticing that. Almost every bartender, waitress, um, and I would say mostly like a lot of the women that I see as I'm going through the lap around, they know all of the words to all of these rap songs. And I'm thinking to myself, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was walking through and I saw this short little Hispanic girl. I mean, maybe she's Italian. Well, it's giving Hispanic. And she's one of the waitresses. And she's, like, rapping so hard, right, like, as she's carrying out her order. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, okay, how did we get here? Like, I'm just wondering. I I just like to think about things, you know? And I'm wondering, what life does she live (laughs) that – got her to know all of these like gutter ass rap lyrics. When I'm it is not it is one thing to know like a famous, you know, a Biggie song, a famous Diddy song, you know, just like stuff like that or even a famous southern song since we're in Texas. Uh but you know these like gutter ass I don't know how else to describe it. these like really hood ass songs. And it's not like it's the parts of the song that is most popular. It's the third verse of the song. It's the bridge. It's the, the ad libs. It's like, did you write this? Hello? I walked by, um, one of the people who we were with as we were going through the lap and I asked him, it was a guy, and you know, I understand guys to know more rap songs. And maybe I'm being gender biased here, but I just find it so funny to me when women, especially really feminine looking women, and women who look like they may not have been through, and of course I'm judging books by his cover. I get that, I get that. But like, this short Hispanic girl just really knew all of these gutter ass rap lyrics. Is everything okay? It's, I just thought that was funny. But, yeah, uh, one of the guys that I saw also rapping super hard lyrics, which, I, you know, I give a pass for because you're a man and, you know, men go through shit. And not to say women don't, but it's just, I guess, you know, I just apply it more for men. And I'm like, did you write the song? <laughs> That's it. Because he knew all of the words. I was like, did you write the song? Did you write it? Were you one of the people in the studio? Like... Is everybody okay? It just makes me wonder. I wonder if all of the people who work in nightlife or you know daylight because there's you know there's a lot of Sunday fun day activities here in Houston that allows you to party during the day at an establishment. So it's not just a nighttime thing. Because when I was out the other day, it was definitely a a daytime thing that lasted for hours, and I just noticed. A lot of the bartenders, whether male, females, mostly female bartenders, well, female waitresses, and there are a few male bartenders, but for the most part, it's definitely women populated, at least that time that I went. So I just wonder, is that a requirement to become a bartender? You have to know these rap lyrics? Is it a requirement to know the songs that are well-played in this establishment because you got to, like, look the part, fit the part. Like, I just wonder. Or maybe they just know it more because they constantly hear it because they're at work. But that's just so interesting to me. Like, this little Hispanic girl, I'm still stuck on her. I was really staring at her in awe. Like, she knew all of these Young Dolphs' um, lyrics and... I That just astonished me. You know, God rest his soul, when I heard that news, it really just, oh, you know, that's it's disappointing, it's unfortunate, it's sad. So my condolences goes out to his family and just his children. Oh, it's so, so sad. But I think about the songs that he wrote and talked about, and some of these songs, like, I, I'm not, not to say I, I was, like, this super young doll fan, but I knew some of his songs And I really like his beat. I like how he rapped. I like how he enunciated his words. Like I followed along well. Like it was easy to follow along. It was easy to remember. Like if I wanted to be one of those girls, if I wanted to be that Hispanic girl (laughs) who knew all of the words to a rap song, a gutter ass rap song, Young Dolph is the one is is the way to go. So. I really liked his music as far as that goes. And I think about, well, like, for example, the song A Hundred Shots. A hundred, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but if I I got the right tune, but you know that song. It's called A Hundred Shots. And when you go into it, it talks about him avoiding A Hundred Shots. That's a lot of shots to avoid, but apparently he got shot at prior to the final shot that Ultimately ended his life, but prior to that event, he was shot out, shot at multiple times, and survived. You know that Tupac energy, that Fifty Cent energy, but unfortunately, you know Tupac passed away allegedly, um, and Young Dolph has passed away. And I think about you know with a lot of these rappers, they, and again, I'm not like a big young doll fan. Like I'm not, uh, what is it? An expert in his lyrics and what he's been through. But from what I've gathered so far is that he talks a lot about death and it may come across as if he glorified cheating death and cheating his death because the, the two or three, four times actually, it was a multiple times he got shot at and survived was, um, he talked about it in his music a lot and maybe it taunted or just kind of teased his haters, his, the killers out there who are, who are aiming to kill him and it incited more violence than it should have, which is just, you know, I'm not, I'm not from the streets. Um, I only gather information from power. <laughs> I'm kidding. i Oh, that was a good show until it wasn't. But, you know, I gather information of street life from shows that I've watched, from people that I've talked to here and there. And, you know, with the streets, all I've learned about it is that if you are, even if you're not in the streets anymore, right, and you have made the choice to actively leave and change your life and become a square or, you know, just not of that life anymore. You're really choosing life and choosing God in a sense. Um, It still haunts you. Whatever you did in the streets for some reason won't let you go. You are still haunted by it and you still have to pay what you have sown So if you have been in the streets for X amount of years, if you was in a gang, if you was a part of a drug trafficking ring or whatever criminal illegal street shit going on, it will carry on with you until it doesn't. And what I've gathered is that ultimately if you're in the streets, whether active or not, but more so when you're actively in the streets, you have two results either death or jail and when i think about young Dolph, i wonder if all of the times he got shot at and survived the the few times um that it happened was it because he was actively inciting and actively in the streets and still putting on this persona of hood life of you know killer or be killed type of life, I wonder if he was, in fact, bringing this reality of his demise closer than he realized. You ever think about that? Like when you and also because his lyrics, apparently he has a lot of songs that talk a lot about death and death, 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 death. death. When you talk about certain things or just anything for too much, it eventually will become your reality. Your mouth is powerful. Your words are powerful. So I wonder was this just bound to happen? You know, and it's so it's really sad cuz I really did appreciate his music and yes his music lives on, but there's no new music anymore. It's gone, right? Cuz he's gone. But um he made an impact upon all of his fans upon his hometown memphis and it's really unfortunate that when you think about decisions that you've made from your childhood from your younger days from your adolescence it could still haunt you in your adulthood it could still haunt you in your elderlyhood like it could still be present if someone especially especially if someone is out to get you, still sees you as a threat, still sees you as someone they are jealous of. You know, jealousy is, it is the worst thing in the world. It really is. Like, you could, you could be anything, like, you could be a lazy person. You could be, um, you know, someone who, ha- who lacks work ethic. someone who is unmotivated, someone, like, just negative traits, right? But... I feel like those things you could get through. You could, you could, you could be a messy person, right? You you don't organize well. Honestly, all those traits are horrible to me. Like shit. Like <laughs> I hate people like that. I don't. I would. I wouldn't dare to date anyone like that. But I think ultimately, out of all of the horrible traits that there is, jealousy is is top notch. It is the top notchy notch of horrible characteristics and that goes as far as with anybody in your life like having a mother who's jealous is horrible having a father who's jealous right you know you have parents who have been jealous of their children because when the parent was their child's age they didn't have this access and this you know this privilege that they have now and so they are hating on their child because X, Y, and Z, which is weird because you think about how parents would say, you know, I want to give my child. You Oftentimes you hear parents who grew up rough, who grew up impoverished, will always say, I want to give my child everything I never got. And so it's strange when you hear a parent or see a parent who is jealous of their child because their child is now experiencing all that they could not have experienced when they were younger. Ooh child, but yeah, jealousy overall for anyone in any type of relationship. Again, if it's familial, whether it's mother to child, you know, mother to daughter, father to son, um brother to brothers, you know, sibling jealousy. Um friends. Ooh, friend jealousy. And I feel like what I'm going to say next may sound so vapid because when you look at social media or just reality TV in general, and you see a lot of times women on reality shows are typically fighting because of a man, right over a man because of a man, or, you know, I dated him at one point and you're dating him, you know, that's foul, you know, stuff like that. People would find reason to be upset over particularly women. And, I think ultimately, when it comes to friendship, if you're the friend who finally is in a relationship with somebody, and you're finally happy, and it's going far, it's going the distance, things are going really well with you and said person. And you have your friend who has always been single the the time that you've been friends with that person. And, and, Now that friend is still single, but now they don't have you as their single friend anymore. They have you now as the friend who's now in a relationship. And now that friend is single by herself and she's jealous. She is jealous. And again, I want to clarify that this is not how I feel about all single female friends. But I think about when there are – like, there's very few of them in between. They sprinkle here and there in friendship groups. So when there's that one single friend who's been single for a very long time and who preaches the rhetoric of, you know, I don't need a man, you know, I – have them here and there or just kind of have this dismissive tone when it comes to men and romance and dating and they deny that they desire a relationship and the only reason they deny it is because they don't have one so it's easy you know people be like oh I'm single because I'm just working on me you know I'm sticking time to God like no bitch you're single because no one's asked you out that's hello is the mic on you're single because he did not ask you out that's and that's and that's okay like just like <laughs> just, just okay it's okay but you know so I think overall when you have that single female friend who is still single and their friend is now in a relationship and it's going the distance and it's happy. it's not one of those like flippant relationships type of thing but it's a real relationship that includes love and you know companionship and just adoration and affection. That friend, that single friend, displays will display their jealousy one way or another. It will manifest itself in one way or another, and it will manifest itself by by um, dropping seeds of doubt. In your head of your man, right, um, making you wonder and question. Hmm, should I trust my my boyfriend? Should I trust my man? Should I, should I um, take him at his word? Um, that jealous single female friend will drop seats to the other friendship circle and say, you know, well, he. He he hit on me first, or he tried me first, or you know he really ain't shit, or it just they will fuel this this idea of why you really can't be happy, or why you really can't enjoy the love that you're enjoying, and it all stems from jealousy. So when you realize, when you look really. Within, When you look deep into people and not look at them from what they say out loud, um, just see how they move, just see how they process, see how they operate, see how they just move. You really get to see that jealousy is just the worst thing in the world. You really get to see that it's not about you. You did nothing wrong. You are not at fault here. No, it's this person and their jealousy, which really is insecurity, right, which really is fear, which really is unhealed wounds, which really is abandonment issues from childhood, which really is, like, it, it goes deeper. It goes deeper, you know what I mean? So ultimately, when you have someone who's jealous and they're around you, whether they are around you in a friendship circle, any type of relationship, Uh, status, any type of, stay clear, far away from that person because they will try their best to spew out their misery towards you because ultimately they're jealous, they're insecure, they are in fear because they don't have what you have in which they want. Okay, so that's my TED talk. I just went on a rampage there. I just felt the I felt the spirit to just take over. But I think it's really something to be mindful of because there's a lot of jealous people out here. There's a lot of jealous people, or like there's just in your life you would have come across a jealous person by now, or you already have one in your surroundings. And I'm saying all this to say be careful. Now that sounds very like crepid. What's the word? Is that that's the word? Rapid it? or it sounds like uh, just like more beware they're gonna kill you. I mean, if you're really jealous, shit, that could be the next step. But ultimately, anyway, go, going back to Young Dolph, I think uh, because he was killed, jealousy definitely played a part here, and because he was tried many times prior to get killed, but it didn't work there's this jealousy of look at this man, like, who he think he is. He got out the hood and he's doing well from himself. You know, he has investment properties. He's, like, he's a smart man. From what I'm learning of Young Dolph is that he was very intelligent. He knew how to make his money work and last long for him, his, his partner, and his woman. I don't make that Distinction. You know, people say partner, they sometimes mean homosexual. I'm not trying to put that out there. I'm just saying, I don't know if he was married to, to his children's mother. But yeah, so he knew how to really be successful. And he wasn't one of those rappers who got money and just was frivolous and foolish with it. Instead, he knew what to do with it. He knew how to invest. He he was very smart. So that is another source of jealousy for a lot of people who don't have that or who just don't feel like they could have that. So they see this man who looks like them, who grew up in the same area. Ex- Look, all of these similarities, yet they don't have what young Dolph has. So you know what? Instead of working to get there, instead of focusing on me and my lane, I'm going to kill you, right? And of course it could have been deeper. I'm sure it was. I I don't think niggas just don't be killing people, you know, three, four, five times until they finally get you. I think... Uh, without you having played a part here, I, you know, I don't think young Dolph is all the way innocent here. I think he definitely played a part. Maybe he did have a large role in street life and it just finally got back to him. I just think ultimately when you think about the, just the characteristic of jealousy, it really ends it ends lives, it ends lives, it ends friendships, it ends relationships, it ends it all. And it really t- and there's something you could do, like if you call someone out of their jealousy, that's gonna make them even angrier, right? I think <laughs> that person just has to finally come to a point and realize, oh, I'm losing friends, right? I'm losing relationships, I am losing my mind, let me finally sit within myself. But even that even then it, it takes a while. People be going to church but still don't realize that they're sinners too, right? People be going to church and still don't know and still don't know how to take accountability, don't know how to really look within, don't know how to really be compassionate, like don't really know how to be that Christian that Jesus has called for you to be. Yet you go to church because it looks good, right? You go to therapy because it looks good. Oh, well, my my black therapist. I got her at blacktherapist.com. But bitch, are you applying anything to your life? Have you applied anything? Child, if you know, you know. I'm saying these things <laughs> because this is uh direct to some experiences that I'm that I have. But um but you know people just be putting things on for a show. And being the person that I am, I see the bullshit. And it irritates me. It irritates me so much because I cannot see the bullshit. Like, sometimes I wish I was as, uh, just as, you know, vapid as some of these people are. Like, oh, I don't, everything is fine. No, 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 no. You're lying. No, 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 no. You're full of shit. Oh, like, it, I can't, but, and if you call someone out on it, that's not a great time for them to say, okay, you're right. You caught me. I am a liar. Like no one says that they just go home at night and they just like, Oh fuck. I, you know, that didn't work out anyway. Ultimately, when you see a lot of people go to, what I'm trying to say is when you see a lot of people go to church all the time, but don't apply shit in their life, that's enough of a red flag. When you see people who, who's been, I've been to therapy for five years but you're the same person. Hot, huh? Like, w- <laughs> Where, where's the growth? Okay, tell me, tell me how have you changed from day one of therapy to day 492 of therapy to right now? How have you changed? Because if nothing has changed, girl, hang it up. Hang it up. So when we think about, like, these things that people do to look right, right? Like, if you go to church you should get something out of it. Not instead, don't get out of it this this judgmental superiority complex. That's not what you should get out of it. If you go to therapy, you should get something out of it. Not this, you know, I'm right, you know, I am victimized, and I have no accountability. And I think there are therapists who enables that. I think there are therapists who enable that behavior of making you see yourself as a victim and making everyone else around you who has done anything wrong to you, quote, unquote, wrong to you, because wrong may not even be wrong, but because you're, call, you're called out on your shit is wrong to you, then that therapist will still find a way to still make you feel like, yes, you were wrong, then you have no accountability here. And you're right. That person, like th- like sometimes therapists could be yes men or yes women, they could still not really let you know because what what's really happening here right you're you're the patient and you're telling your side of what events took place and the therapist only has that side the therapist is not talking to the friend that you're talking about right or the boyfriend that you're talking about the ex that you're talking about no the therapist is only the therapist is only getting your perspective so from your painting of the picture, you look like the victim. You look like the one who's everybody's picking at. <sighs> anyway, it just stems from jealousy. It stems from jealousy. Chow, I'm trying to prevent myself from talking about Married at First Sight this early on in this episode. And honestly, I wanted to just... Get straight into it from the beginning, because as soon as I watched that episode of the reunion, the first part of the reunion, I was like, "My God, today there's a lot to say about Marilla," but I'm gonna suspend this topic conversation in a moment, okay? So let's just, uh, you know, I just want to let you guys know that this is is sitting on my spirit to talk about, but I'm gonna suspend it for a moment because I want to talk about another. Topic at first. So, ooh, this topic is actually very uncomfortable to talk about because I don't know how to approach it the way – anyway, me even saying this is annoying. I hear people, like, do disclaimers, and I'm definitely doing that right now. Let me just get into it. So, anyway, it's it's uncomfortable to talk about, but I want to talk about it because – It needs to be discussed, particularly you have the LGBTQIA plus community probably trying to push this agenda, and I feel like within the next few years, this may be normalized. So in case you have not heard of, there's this new term, there is this new term in town called MAPS. It's called MAPS. And no, I did not say maps, right? Because maps stands for made at first sight. <laughs> I'm talking about maps. Yes, M-A-P-S. Map. What's maps, Maxine? Maps stand for minor attracted persons. Okay. Um, so the S at the end is really like a, it's a lowercase s. But anyway, it stands for minor attracted person, and it is a term being pushed by a, pro- I don't know if he coined the term, but this professor named Alan Walker, who happens to be a trans man. So he was born a woman, but transitioned into a man. And, um, and he goes by the name Alan Walker, and his pronouns include they, which is, nigga, shut the fuck up. Okay, but he's he's a black man. Sorry, not black man. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I not mean to say that. I don't, I don't want to put that on black men. He's a white man, a white trans man, and he was placed on leave from his profession. He's a professor at... What is it called? Old Dominion University. Old Dominion University, which is already sounding demonic to me. Like, what the fuck? But he was a professor of sociology and criminal justice. And he was placed on leave because he is pushing for the term minor attractive persons. And he received a lot of backlash for it because he said he would rather people use that term instead of pedophile because pedophile has this stigma and it it serves as a barrier to treatment to treatment of pedophilia. Now, even that right there is something that is strange because I don't mm, and I want to look at this topic in a variety of ways. Which is why it's uncomfortable for me to talk about it because I don't ever want it to come across that I'm trying to even understand. But being the person that I am, I like to I like to hear everything before I even like I don't like to shut things down. Basically, what I'm saying, and I feel like in order for to have a conversation, we have to have a conversation. We can't just shut down. And um, ultimately, though, what I do want to say is that this definitely comes across as eventually normalizing pedophilia and normalizing being attracted to minors and therefore that attraction eventually leading to action had towards them. And the reason why he wants to make the distinction between pedophilia and minor attracted persons is that pedophilia – is focus on actually acting on that attraction. So not only are you attracted to minors as an adult, but you are acting on that attraction, which therefore makes you a pedophile. Now, that makes me question right now if you are if you are an adult and you haven't acted on your attraction towards minors yet you watch child porn, are you still a pedophile? Are you still considered, because I'm wondering, is even watching something as disgusting, disturbing, just horrible as that, is that justification for a pedophile, right, for, for someone who's minor attracted to say, well, I didn't act on it. I just, you know, instead of me acting on it, I just watched this horrible porn and that prevents me from acting on it. You see where I'm going with this, which is, oh, I'm, again, this is uncomfortable for me to talk about, but I want to talk about it because there are pedophiles out here, right? Obviously, we know this. We have apps that tell us who is a, a registered pedophile or not even pedophile registered sex offender and i think that's a different term because with with sex offender sex offender is specific to or it's it's, it's a range of things right you you're considered a sex offender if you happen to take your dick out in public like outside in public because you needed to pee real quick. You couldn't wait to go to the bathroom or there wasn't. Anyway, you happen to take your dick out and you went to go pee. An officer sees you, marks you up, possibly arrests you. But from that one incident, you are read, You can be considered as a sex offender. I've seen this. I mean, I haven't seen this per se. But I've heard of cases like that that has... Uh, Sex offenders, well, some, become sex offenders because they just took their dick out in the public and they just needed to pee, right? Um, another case of being considered a sex offender is if you had sex in public with a, a consented adult, right? If you are two adults having, I mean, multiple, you know, whatever. But, like, if you are an adult having, a sex, having sex with another adult Consensually, and you're in public, and an officer, <laughs> these damn officers, huh? <laughs> an officer happens to walk by, <laughs> then, um, sex offender could also be a part of your label. Like, that is, those are the cases when sex offenders is like, Ooh, I don't think that should be considered sex offended, right? Obviously, the cases of if you are an adult. And you rape someone, definitely sex offender. If you have molested children, definitely sex offender. All these things have taken place. Um, (laughs) This is funny right now because I had a phone call. I got a phone call earlier right before I decided to hit record. And my – speaking of sex offenders um, (laughs) – This is why am I laughing? I laugh at everything. Y'all know this right now. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. I laugh when I'm comfortable. I laugh when I'm happy. I love when I, like, I, one thing about me, I'm a laugh. I'm a laugh. So a sex offender called my phone. You're probably thinking, what the fuck, say? <laughs> <laughs> let me just say this. There is a sex offender in every family. Okay? So let that sit. There's a sex offender in every family. So when this one called my number, and he has my number, of course, because we're family, um, it just made me... (laughs) I looked at my phone, and I think to myself, you know, family's really a bitch sometimes as far as because of this biological... Thing that, you know, I didn't ask for, you didn't ask for, I didn't ask to be born in this, you know. Um, You are binded to this person, to people who you may not really fuck with um, outside of the fact that we are biologically related, right? We are literally binded to each other. And I think about how... First of all, one thing about me, I really appreciate, like, since dating, um, you know, since being with uh, Freckles Bay, I really just appreciate that he asked me before calling me. Like, hey, you free right now? Or, hey, what are you up to if I'm busy or whatever? He'll say, you know, call me or whatever. Like, and we'll talk on the phone and it's great. I realize, like, I really don't like when niggas just be calling just off a whim. Like, send me a text first. You know, like, hey, are you free right now? Can I give you a call? Or, hey, if you're free in 10 minutes, give me a call. Or text me first. You know? So when my phone rings, I think also something about a phone ringing just makes me just like, ah! You know, I just want to be like, oh, you know? And so when my phone ringing, my phone rang again right before I hit record. And I'm like, you know, I'm laying on my couch chilling. I see my phone ringing. I I go to it. And then I see it's the sex offender. And I am just like, what? (laughs) I haven't talked to you in almost a year since I've been home in Boston. And I think about like, what? What is the gall? What is the gall? Um, but, yeah, I didn't. Uh, eventually, I will have to call back because family. But overall, that made me think about just, like, phone calls and, like, phone call ec- etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> um, phone call etiquette. Like, text me first. Even when I'm calling my friends. Like, if we happen to already be in a texting, like, zone or whatever, then then sure, it's fine to just call me. But before then, like, if I haven't spoken to you in a whole year, if we never texted in that time frame and you just call me off a whim, like, did you butt dial me? Like, is everything okay? Anyway, let's get back to maps. Uh, minor attractive person. So I think about – um. so when we think about this term, what what I feel like things – will go, when it comes to this, it will go into more of the acronym that is had for LGBTQIA plus community. Some, you know, maybe the plus part is inclusion of minor attraction persons, MAP. You know, maybe that is going to be a part of it, if not already is a part of it. And being that the person, it'll be one thing if it was, a straight person pushing this rhetoric down the media. But the fact that this person who is a trans man is the one pushing down this rhetoric is making me wonder what is really going on? Like, what is really the agenda? And the agenda here is to normalize pedophilia is to intellect cuz you know me I'm an intellectualizer okay you know how there's the equalizer I'm the in- intellectualizer like I'm going to converse you down I'm going to critically think you down like it's that's fun that's fun for me which is why this conversation is uncomfortable for me because it's like I don't want us to get to a place where we intellectualize something so much so that we then normalize Sick behavior. Now, I think about um, treatment, right? Because he said the term pedophilia creates a barrier to treating such behavior and such mindset. Is there really treatment? Can one be treated of sex offending? You know, I think about the sex offender who called me and who, uh, you know, did what he did many years ago, and he is now married, kid. Like, life is totally... Like, he's not, like, on the streets. You know, he's not an alcoholic. He's not... You wouldn't even think this person could have ever. But I think about... um can one really be treated from that, right? Like can, you know, if I were to have children, you know, God willing, I would like to have children one day. Let me say when, when I have children. Hello? We got to call it out. When I have children, I don't think I will ever allow my child around someone who I knew violated someone, right, over I don't, definitely not on some babysitting stuff, you know, in my absence, and definitely not on some, you know, and it's tricky because I think about with family, when you're family with someone, when you're related to someone, there's a lot of excuses that we put on that we say, you know, oh, well, it's, you know, this is your family, this is your Family, let's move on, let's forgive, let's forget. Um, Especially when church is involved, as far as, as far as, um, like if you were raised in the church heavily and church is still heavily influential in your family structure, it's not at all encouraged to just throw people away, especially if that person is family. Family. But overall, I don't know if there is treatment for minor attracted persons, right? Like, think about it outside of that nastiness, right? If you're more attracted to light-skinned niggas than you are dark-skinned niggas, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm taking the conversation to more of a silly route because it's getting dark, right? So let's, let's lighten it up. But if you're attracted to more lighter-skinned guys, than you are darker-skinned guys. Or if you're attracted to more taller guys, then you are shorter guys. If you're attracted to guys who have jobs, than the guys who don't have jobs, right? What happens to that attraction? You act on it. Am I wrong? Right? You act on it. You... You know, even and yes, maybe that's not an equivalence because here, here I am, here I am intellectualizing. Uh, maybe it's not an equivalence because it's like, well, when you're attracted to lighter skin guys or dark versus darker, darker skin guys, it's not like those are wrong attractions. Um, the point is the point. When you're attracted to anything, you eventually will fall victim to that attraction. Okay. Um so whether that attraction is considered wrong, illegal, disturbing, all these like horrible things, you will eventually fall victim to it. Now, who knows if you'll be always falling victim to that attraction forever? But maybe once in a while, you'll fall victim to it. maybe once in a while, you'll look at that person. Like, I'm wondering with sex, well, particularly pedophiles. I'm wondering, I'm wondering with pedophiles, are you, you know, prior to you acting on it, you're thinking about it, of course, right? Like, you know, people say you're not, you don't, you lust with your eyes. You know, that's a part of the Bible. That's in the Bible. It talks about like, you don't. You don't lust with your actions first. You lust with your your mind. You lust with your eyes. You even checking out a woman's butt is lusting, and therefore that is sin, you know, sinful behavior. So when you think about a pedophile, they're looking at children first, right? You know, think about those pedophiles who would frequent at uh, children's playgrounds, who would frequent at schools, uh, malls, <laughs> R. Kelly, um, any place where you know minors are at, whatever your pickings, right, whether it's, like, young boys, young girls, you know, toddler age, middle school age, high school age, minors in general, you will frequent in their area, in their area. <laughs> um, you'll frequent in... Just in their space, in their surroundings, you'll find a way to blend in. And while you're blending in, you're doing what? You're jacking off. You're jacking off. Stop laughing in the car, I hear you. (laughs) Me saying jacket off, right? I just had a whole image of a man in a detective jacket, like those those pea coats. And he has a a detective hat on with black men. (laughs) With not masks, black glasses, and he just takes his dick out. Like, is everybody okay? But, you know, like, it starts there, right? It starts from you looking, and it goes into your mind. Your thoughts are now infiltrated with these disgusting acts you would like to, like, pursue upon said minor, Ooh, let's move on from this topic. But let's I just wanted to bring this up because you may come across this term and you may be in a work environment that will try to um, push this rhetoric out. And yes, this man got put on administrative leave and he got a lot of backlash for it. but this this was the sacrifice that needed to be made for this conversation to be had and for businesses and companies to now adopt this potentially and and start to normalize it like maybe this was a part of the agenda for this man to come out take the bait be the sacrifice to then finally allow people or put force upon people and businesses to man to not mandate it to encourage acceptance for it it all starts with our language when we are uh, then allowing silly shit to be accepted right the pronoun shit is silly as hell nigga you a man you look like a man you a man right you're he you're him his if we have to point out just regular dumb shit and now have to say it out loud hey I'm Maxine and I go by what do you think I fucking go by but now we are having to explain ourselves and our identity and we have to explain what we go by we have to put it next to our our title you know hi I'm the director of sales and I go by he him she his and hers huh is the mic on is everybody okay now we're gonna then, and you, you know we see a lot of people now. I have some people in my job who will be on Zoom sometimes. and they got their what they so you know they say their name. I'm Josh. and let me not say Josh, I actually have a coworker named Josh. Uh, I'm Todd. I don't have a co I don't think I so. but yeah, Todd, and I go by he, they and him. Okay, okay. But well, what's your last name? Just say, just say your last name. Because at this point, what the fuck are pronouns anymore? At this point, everything that I learned in third grade means nothing. It means nothing, and that bothers me. It bothers me as an academic person, as a person in academia. You know, and this whole Latin X shit. <laughs> What the fuck? What is a Latin X? No, and actually let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all, hold on. Cause they changed Latinx. I, I'm probably probably hold on. Latin X I think it's something different now. A Latin X or some dumb shit. No, I think Latin X is the latest one. But it used to be something else before that. I, I can't find it and I can't remember. It's so fucking dumb. Like are y'all dumb? Anyway, so this I just popped up Latinx in Google, right? And Latinx is spelled L-A-T-I-N-X. And this article popped up. It says about one in four U.S. Hispanics have heard of Latinx, but just 3% use it because it's dumb, because it's dumb. Nobody uses that shit. People are changing words to fit their sensitive ass. That's what they're doing. They're changing words and making you look like the bad guy for not going with the status quo, for not acquiescing to this rhetoric. I'm not ever telling you my fucking pronoun. No. And I'm going to go by how you look. And if you correct me, then, okay, I'll go with your correction. But I'm not going to fucking ask you what pronoun, nigga, you're he? Okay. That's it. That's it. Like, I'm not feeding, I'm not adding it to my resume, okay? And I'm damn sure not going to add minor attracted persons into language to eventually normalize pedophilia. Like, we have come to a point in our world, in our society, to... Talk about something so much so that it makes you finally agree with it. Like, it's actually manipulative. This whole Latinx came out of nowhere. But because a Hispanic person was... And since when have we started using Hispanic? <laughs> I used to just say Spanish, bitch. You Spanish. Yo, when I tell you when I moved to Houston... A lot of things just like opened my eyes to just like the bullshit. When I moved here, when I tell you prior to me moving to Houston, I used to call every Spanish, but I, you know nowadays it's Hispanic. But I used to call every Hispanic person Spanish. You Spanish, bitch. I'm K. Vernon. Okay, you Spanish. Oh, I'm I'm just I'm that. Oh, I'm from Guatemala. You Spanish? Okay, I'm from Latinx. <laughs> you Spanish? <laughs> You're Spanish. What do you speak? Oh, but I'm not what I speak. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, like, cut it out. But cut it out. No, no one has time to say Hispanic. Cut it out. Can we stop? Shit, you're fucking Spanish. Are you from? And nowadays when I have to speak, not have to, but, like, nowadays when I say Spanish, I have to signify or, yeah, I have to clarify, oh, this person was actually from Spain, the span like it has to be clear, but I, you know, I get it. These are jokes. At least the part, what I'm saying right now, this is a joke. Okay. I get it. Spanish is the correct term. If you are from Spain, Spanish is a language as well, but people are not limited to speaking Spanish. If they're from Spain, like if they're not from Spain. So if you're from Guatemala, I think they speak Spanish there, right? Yeah. If you're you're not you're like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But just like cut the shit, okay? And I'm not calling you Latinx, okay? So <laughs> Anyway, going back to map, um, I just think ultimately there's an agenda to normalize pedophilia is going to be added to the LGBTQIA community and niggas will try to push that rhetoric, not just in the media, but in your workplaces, in your communities. Beware and stand 10 toes down. Please don't acquiesce don't you just love i fucking love that word if you haven't noticed i use that word a couple of times in multiple episodes i just love it when i learned that word uh a few years ago i was like okay acquiesce me bitch it's a really nice word just look it up know how to spell it and look it up no but i think it's just a push to normalize it i really do and i you have to stand strong against these these agendas that are being pushed down our throat Throw that shit up. Throw, throw it up. Don't swallow it. Don't even ingest it. Don't consume it. Question it. Go against it. Stand who in who you are, and don't don't just like okay. Well, it is what it is. Well, I'm just gonna get the shot. Okay, you know. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Written house. Written house. Now, last time I talked about this nigga. What did I say? What did I say? Why are we talking about this nigga? Why is this being a point of conversation? Why everything that we see in the media, we have to add into our repertoire of discussion? Now, I'm being hypocritical because I'm obviously adding it right now to our discussion, but this is the point of me saying it. A lot of these topics are being heavily pushed, and I think it's done for a reason. They're making this into a left versus right thing. And by left, I mean Democratic. And by right, I mean Republic, right? Um, Republican. And I think, you know, with this push to talk about this topic of Rittenhouse and him being acquitted of all the charges, and even prior to that decision being made, the, the way that the judge treated Rittenhouse or said actually the victim's or the people who were killed are not, like don't call them victims. Um, So that was like, okay, what? Like if you got shot, you're a victim, right? Like what, whoever you are as a person, right? And here's a, here's a push from the right that is saying, okay, let me just give uh, give you guys a a quick synopsis in case you're not familiar. So the, here's the thing. And I'm going to say two sides to the story because there's like two different stories being pushed. And, It's to the point where, nigga, what the hell happened then? What happened? What really happened? So the left, and again, left is Democratic, left is claiming that Rittenhouse antagonized protesters and um, he did not act as a self-defense type of behavior. Instead, he antagonized and left the house to shoot and kill folks. And that is what he did, right? He shot three people and killed two out of the three. That is the left side's story, and that's what they're sticking with. The right side is claiming that he acted out of self-defense. Yes, he was a 17-year-old with a rifle, <laughs> but he was able... I don't even know the, the actual details. So I don't know if he was actually... No, cause you have to be eighteen to carry. But I don't know. But so anyway, he had a rifle. He's seventeen, and he's out and about, um, on the streets with the protesters and the rioters. And his Rand House's defense is that he went to Kenosha to to um defend the property of his father's uh store, his business. And he wanted to stand there to make sure that no one is riding and attacking it, and so that is seen as the right thing to do from the right side, you know, the Republican side, because it's like, well, you you know, your business is your is one of your sources of income, so you're gonna do anything that you can to protect it and to make sure that it is covered, and so that is what Rittenhouse did in that moment. And while he was doing so, he was being bullied, not bullied, but um, what's the word? He was being attacked by three different people, three different people. And so in this attack, he fought back and defended himself. And in defending himself, he shot and killed two out of the three people he fought back. One of the people who he killed, his last name is Rosenbaum. And this is all the, all the things, all the information that I'm gathering. His last name is Rosenbaum. And he allegedly is a, speaking of pedophiles, he's a pedophile, allegedly. And he um had a history of sexually offending, assaulting minors. And so the right side is in support of... Rittenhouse killing him because it's like, well, you got out the trash, you got out a pedophile, and that's why we fighting in defense of this man. Like, why do we care? <sighs> so here's my stance on it. I think, um, I think when we look at people, like, okay, so when we look at this case and we see Rittenhouse shoot and kill someone. He shot and killed someone. I don't think it's an opportunity for us to say, well, okay, it justifies it because he was a a pedophile. It justifies it because he was this, he was that. He still shot and killed someone, and that was out of his right to do so. Now, whether it was self-defense or not, I really don't care to get into that, and I didn't really do research to really look into it deeper. But when we – you know, after someone kills someone, and then we look up into their past and say, "Well, this person was a burglar, and you know, this person was this or was that," and that makes sense that he killed them. It just—it makes me wonder, like, what what then can be pulled out of someone's past to justify an unruly killing in that moment? Now, of course, this man's a pedophile. If that's the case. And he abused and destroyed the lives of many while he was alive that though has nothing to do with Rittenhouse killing him does that make sense to you guys Rittenhouse didn't kill him because he found out Rosenbaum was a a sex offender was a pedophile and decided to kill him because he wanted to take out the child like no he happens to be a pedophile. And that was information that was brought to us after the fact of his killing. You know, he didn't Rittenhouse didn't go out there, was like, I'm gonna find Rosenbaum who's this alleged kill uh pedophile and I'm going to kill him. He didn't go out there with that pursuit. So I think it's awfully convenient that Rosenbaum is this alleged pedophile. And the right is using this as a way to justify the killing. I don't believe any of this, y'all. To be very quite honest, with you. I think everything's a fucking lie. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know how long how much to say this. This we're living in a dream. Nothing is real. This is all assimilation. Like, this where first of all, we don't see a picture of Rittenhouse's father we don't see a picture of Rittenhouse's mother. And if we did, it's not circulating enough when, um, and it's not the same cases, but when we saw George Floyd and I'm on which even that, that's a whole different rabbit hole that we could go down another time. But with that, we saw pictures of George Floyd's family. Allegedly, Um, we saw pictures of, we saw pictures of their fam. We saw pictures. Rittenhouse. It's like, he's an orphan. Where's this mother who dropped him off and who's seen as an accomplice? Where's his father who he wanted to defend his store? Where Where is he? Who you know? Where's his father whose store he wanted to defend? Where is he? <laughs> did Did Kyle Rittenhouse have any siblings? Did he have a, a former girlfriend? Like who is Kyle Rittenhouse? So like all of these like made up situations and like th- this random character Rosenbaum, what kind of fucking last? What is he Irish? What kind of last name? That's more Jewish, right? But either way, it's making me wonder who is piecing this story together. Who are these crisis actors? Because I just don't. <laughs> I don't fucking buy it. I don't buy it, and it's giving. It's giving weird. Is giving weird. Um, I don't know what to believe. I don't know why there are two different stories being pushed from two different political parties. Why is the left so adamant about or so upset about the verdict and trying to paint it as this Black Lives Matter situation? Now, here's a connection I think is being made here. I think the connection here is that you have um, Kyle Rittenhouse, a white teenager at the time who was able to access a gun and use it and kill folks. Whether it was justified in his killing or not, he was able to access the gun, kill folks, and get acquitted of all charges. And was like the cops met him with the gun and didn't attack him, didn't shoot and kill him, he was able to still walk free into the courthouse, have a justified court hearing. And when you think about a black man in that situation in this day and age, that would have never happened. You would have seen... That black man gunned down, okay? We saw and heard of too many cases. What was that case of that man who slept at a Wendy's and got shot down in his car because it looked like he was reaching for something? And all these damn-ass cases where you see a black man who didn't look the part of an approachable black man um, who looked like they were reaching in their back even though there wasn't a gun there. Um, you know, you saw the case of that black father who got gunned down while his baby was in the back seat. Like, the the stories go on and on and on. So I see the connection that's being made here that, oh, if Kyle Rittenhouse was a black man, first of all, that wouldn't be his name. I mean, hello. Um, if you saw Jamal Turner, um, you know, walking around with Antifa, he would have been gunned down. But in this case, Kyle Rainer House was able to have a justified court hearing. He was able to wear his, his suits and cry fe- freely on the stand and all these things. like It paints the picture of more of the racial unrest that's happening in this world. Now, I wrote down in my notes, why is this being pushed so much in the media why why because they want us to keep the media wants us to be kept in a low vibe and i know I'm sounding like so whole tepish what the hell is going on sorry i don't know if y'all heard that i heard a door slam and i keep turning around i live in a studio apartment so the only door slamming is my front door so but that shit's dead bolted okay shout out to Jose from Married at First Sight if you know you know but i think about um this is my train of thought. Yeah, yada, yada. Okay, so what, yeah, to keep us at a low vibration. A low vibration is what they're trying to do. They want to keep us separated. They want to keep us divided. They want us to keep on arguing and hating and being upset with each other and, and continuing to find reasons to not be friends with someone outside of our race. And that's what I want all of us to be mindful of. When we consume this, news, when we consume whatever the media is pushing out on us, we have to take a step back and think to ourselves, why is this being pushed down our throat so much? What is the ulterior motive? What are they trying to do? And this is really what I think it is. They're really just trying to keep us separated, keep us divided, to cause more riots, to eventually cause more deaths because of this and to have us out here again walking and parading and marching and Antifa-ing and MAGA-ing and all these divisive groups is like, let's, let's be mindful that Bill Gates is out here giving medical advice. Like, let's keep our eyes on the prize. This is what we need to keep our attention on. Why is Bill Gates telling us what to do for our health? that's really the focus here. So anyway, Rittenhouse is acquitted on all charges and let's move on. That's like that's it. Like it's not it's not an opportunity to be down in the slumps about it. Like this does not affect my life nor should it affect your life. Keep on living your life. Keep on being happy. Keep on pursuing happiness. Keep on loving, laughing, um, rejoicing, keep on working hard, keep on aiming towards completing your goals. Like keep on keeping on. When we focus so much on things that really has shit to do with us, all these outside things, what's going on in X, Y, and Z world, we then lose sight of what our lane is and we then lose sight of our goals. We then lose sight of our own personal growth and life journey and yes it's good to be in the know it's good to know what's going on but it's also better it's better hello it's better say with me it's better it's better to focus on yourself so this is what i advise for everybody all right i've waited long enough let's get into it cue the music all 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 right so as I was saying earlier, much earlier, we have Merla and Gil. Look, I'm gonna tell you guys right now. I am only going to focus on Merla and Gil. A little bit of Rachel and Jose, but Merla and Gil, Merla and Gil, Gila, Mer Merla, okay, Merla Max. Um, ciao. Let's get into it. Let's get the fuck into it. And I'm really excited to watch episode uh Reunion Part Two. But first of all, okay, by now you've watched it. Like, I don't really give recaps. I give my takes on what's already happened, hoping that you've already watched it or would encourage you to watch it. But um, I, you know what? Thinking about how Merla was acting the whole time, right? How she was very hesitant upon kissing him, upon being physical and intimate with him. It really makes sense now, okay? It makes sense because I think physical touch is big. It is big, and if you are not physically intimate with me, not to say you gotta fuck me the first night, damn, that sounds so aggressive. But you know what I'm saying, like, um, not to say you gotta be super physically intimate so soon. But if you are taking so little of a step to be physically intimate with me, and by physically intimate, I'm talking about any and everything. That's like, that's kissing. That's making out. And I still consider making out a thing. Like, that's like that's a part of intimacy. So making out. Um holding hands, sitting close, holding my ways. Like if you are not doing that or not even if you're not doing that, if I'm not doing that to you, right? If I am not reciprocating, if I am not attempting making the first move to be physically intimate with you, that's enough, right? That's enough right there. That's enough to tell you nothing is going to happen, right? Right. That's enough to tell you I am not attracted to you. And that's really what it is. Like, and you know what's interesting? Cause it's like, Gil, I don't know why I said, said his name like that, but Gil is not unattractive, right? He's a handsome young man. Um, okay, great. So, but so just because someone's handsome, just because someone's attractive, like just in general doesn't mean that you are attracted to that person right doesn't mean that person is giving you what you need to feel attracted to so I think about how Merla was the whole time with Gil it makes sense in this reunion part one she says how she was never attracted to him she said that she was never attracted to him, to him, y'all. And, you know, we we did know that Merla said she did not want a bald man. And Gil is bald, if you haven't noticed. Um, but aside from that, that's the only physical flaw that she said she did not want and that Gil has. Nothing else on Gil physically from the top was clearly a physical flaw for Merla. So it makes me wonder, was there something else in him that was unattractive for her, right? Maybe it was his speech. Like, maybe the way that he talks annoyed her. Because it could be stuff like that. Like, you could be very handsome, but the way that you talk, right, the way that you move your hands, or the, just the way that you are, just your whole being is like, ew, nigga, never mind. <laughs> Never. I'm, I'm trying to think. When did that happen for me? I mean, a couple of times, but it's just you could be attractive, but it's typically. Oh, okay. See, I forgot about this story. Okay, years ago, nigga. Okay, this is when I was single, popping, pop, 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 pop. You know, years ago. This was like I want to say a year after college. Okay, so that's a context for you. So, me and my college best friend, we went to a bar in our neighborhood, Dorchester, D Block. What up? <laughs> it's like, what? No, but yeah, we went to a uh, It was actually, in the, I'll not be too specific, but it was in Dorchester in Boston. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. And again, we're super young. Fresh out of college, and we still kind of in this college mindset. So we're at the bar, just me and her. And um, this area though is definitely white. <laughs> it's giving Irish town. Okay, that's what it's fucking giving. Like, damn, ain't no niggas in sight. Until this one black man I saw at the bar. He was right across, and the bar was kind of wide, it was actually wide. So it wasn't like he could just easily take one step over and I'm over there. It was a couple of steps to see the other side. But he was on the other side. And he was very attractive. Like, he had this, like, Model S type of phase. Like, borderline, what's his name? What's that model who was who got photographed with Naomi Campbell? Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, this is bothering me. Naomi Campbell... He got photographed with her. Black, I'm just gonna write black male model. Sorry, I'm so sorry, you guys, but let me just tell you right now who he reminded me of. Because when I saw him, I'm like, oh my, yes, is it, that's his name, Tyson Beckford? Let me make sure it's the right name. Tyson Beckford. Yes, Tyson Beckford. When I tell you he looked like Tyson Beckford, I was like, Tyson? Is that you? He looked like Tyson Beckford. Like, his eyes, like, you know, I know that's a wrong word. I was about to say the offensive term, but it was definitely looking like that, right? Um, Full lips, like, he had this caramel macchiato skin to him. Like, he looked very attractive. Okay, we're making eye contact. Okay, he's feeling me. I'm thinking he's feeling me. (sighs) So, and I'm I, I'm sighing because I remember how I felt in that moment. So, y'all, he, um, so when we got eye contact, right, he then motions his finger gesturing for me to come over, come here, right? And you know that motion, right, with your index finger, you're moving it, gesturing someone to come here. And already that should have been enough for me to be like, never mind, never mind. Because here's why. And I don't know if some of you guys are feeling the same way. I, I know I'm a little different, but I look at every little detail and I, I, I could really paint you. I could, I could paint your character based off a little detail that you show. I don't think it's appropriate for men to tell women to come here. You come to me, right? Isn't it he who find a wife find a good thing? Come to me, come to me. Say something cute. Come to me, you know. Let me introduce you to my friend too. Like, be a gentleman. Don't have me get up, walk to you. What if I? What if on my way walking to you, I fall and trip? And I'm. I know that sounds like a funny thing for me to say right now, but I'm dead ass. Like, it's just in general? Like, be the protector that you're supposed to be as a man. You come to the woman. You come to her aid. You come to her. You approach her. The fuck. But anyway, I was young and dumb, so I went to him. (laughs) I went to him because he looked like Tyson Beckford. Okay, nigga, I'll come to you fine. But Maxine today wouldn't. I'm just very – look, growth happens. But again, I was super – I was 22, fresh out of college. Okay, I was young. I was young. So I went to this Tyson Beckford as – deadbeat ass, you know, bootleg nigga. And I said by him, this nigga, he had nothing to say. Nothing to say. Like, he didn't know how to carry a conversation. He was like, so are we going to my place or your place? Like, that was literally what he said from the top, y'all. And look, maybe there are some women out there who would accept that type of language or that type of just like off the rip. But for me, give me some lube, right? Like lube me up for a little bit. Make me feel like, okay, maybe something could happen from here. But like, I'm not to say, not to say you have to like, what is it? Like, feed me a dream, sell me your dream. Um, You don't have to, like, say sweet nothings to me. But, like, you don't have to start off as crass as that. And as he was talking, he just didn't know what to say. He was trying to – like, he was saying these, like, cliche-ass lines. He was, like, mumbling over his words as well, which is – look, I'm not hating on people who have speech impediment. I definitely do, if you haven't noticed. And I'm not picking on that, but – i didn't like how his image didn't match his speech the way that he presented himself was just so different from the way that he actually is or was at the time and so i was so turned off he was like like licking his lips and trying to look seductive and i was just so turned off and it was just horrible it was really horrible he just he didn't know how he had no game he had no game And it was borderline inappropriate. So at that point, I did walk back. I was not that, you know, loose of a girl back then. But, you know, I did walk back. I didn't give him any time or play. And so I walked back. So, yeah, I bring that up because although someone is physically handsome, physically attractive, they may be dense as hell, right? Maybe just very you know just have nothing going on internally don't know how to carry a conversation you know don't know how to approach a woman can't approach a woman considering the story that I just shared with you guys had me come to him and Gil I think maybe there was something outside of his physical appearance that made Merla unattracted to him. Maybe the way that he came, maybe his feet smell all the time. He didn't take care of it. You know, it could be things like that. That's like little, but still big. Right. Like you don't know how to clean yourself and you come in here with your feet all out every night and I got to sleep with you. That's annoying. And I think with Merla, though, I know how it came across, right? And I I was watching it live with y'all, and I was cringing. I was like, damn, 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 damn. But after assessing all that took place this season between Merla and Gil, I, like I said with y'all, I don't think Merla was as vocal as she should have been with him, especially when he kept on picking at her for not being – um, as humble as he is, quote unquote, right? For not being as frugal as he is, and just being a hater, you know, it'll be again. It'll be one thing if she was spending her money irresponsibly, if she was spending her money on all these luxurious items, yet her bills weren't paid. She was late on this bill, and her light bill got her lights got cut off, and all these things, but that's not the case that's not the case and so you have Gil consistently just like calling her out and shooting her down and if you guys remember that moment when they were um recalling a moment from their past and she brought him to a volleyball court and she's telling him how growing up she was heavily into sports and she was a volleyball player and she actually wore the same jersey that she had when she was a high schooler and she was proud that she could still fit it. You know, she was having a cute girl moment and he shot her down. He was like, okay, well he didn't like, not once did I ever see Gil compliment her. Not once did I ever see him. At least I can't remember. Right. Not once did I ever see him say, you look beautiful tonight oh, I, I, I'm so attracted to you, I love the way... Like, he never did that, and I think he did that on purpose. I think because he knows how beautiful she is, and she knows how beautiful she is. Um, He did not want to feed into that and did not want her to feel like she is, like, this hot girl instead. So he shoots her down hoping that she is not as confident anymore so that he can have control. I really think it was this mind control with him. And it all stems from what? Jealousy, which stems from what? Insecurity. You know, he's not making as much as she does. And actually, he had the nerve on the reunion episode to say he makes $100 more than Merla every two weeks when she gets paid. And it's like... That right there is already unattractive for him, for me for him to say that. Like they go, what? Are you tacky as hell? or Are you tacky as hell? Why would you say something like that? And that that just further proves why Merla wasn't unattracted to him and why I was unattracted to him in that moment. Because you are tacky as hell. That's not the fucking point. It's about your mindset when it comes to money. Every time I spend money to have a great experience, to have the finer things in life, you shoot me down and make me feel foolish for it. You make me feel like I'm not humble, I don't know where I come from. And you don't hear from you don't hear my perspective. And so, you saying I have $100 more, it just tell it just tells us that he has this warped mindset when it comes to finances, when it comes to stability. And so, what okay, like what does that mean? He had a moment when he was talking to his mom on FaceTime a couple of episodes ago and he said how he comes from the mindset of, you know, just taking care of the woman and making sure that she's good and, you know, take care of the finances and all that. And he said with all that with all that um Merla wants, he's he will still be able to take care of the finances, but he'll be living paycheck to paycheck. And it's like, okay, well, for someone who makes $100 more than her every two weeks, then this shouldn't be an issue, right? Since you wanna point out all the calculations, this shouldn't be an issue. But clearly it is because of his mindset. So it's an internal problem. It has nothing to do with Merla. And that's really what it is. Like a lot of times when people have these like negative ass comments to say about you and how you live your life, it's because they want to live that life. And they haven't figured out a way to do so within their own means, within their own life. So they find a way to hate on you. That's why I'm getting like heavy right now. But like that shit's so whack to me. So him saying that, it's like, okay, you make a hundred dollars more than her, but she's able to live this nicer lifestyle than you, then, you know, so what you really talking about? It's really about a mindset. You want to live in a shoebox. And he's trying to say, remember in the what episode was it? The, the the decision day episode, he's like, he's trying to deny the fact that he wouldn't want to live in a shoebox. And she had to call him out, like, no, you said you'll live in a shoebox just fine. He's like, it's just a point that I'm making. No, the fuck that's not the fucking point. Why would you be okay living in a shoebox? And why are you so like, why are you so against having concierge? Why are you so against having a trash shoot or trash service saying, oh, I'll take the trash, I'm the trash guy, I'm the concierge guy, I'll do it myself. Like, what? It's okay to have it done for you. It's so that doesn't make you not appreciative of your background and not in remembrance of where you came from. Nigga, shut up. Like, you are just incredibly insecure. And I'm glad that Merla said to him in that brief moment when she kind of spazzed out and then she finally gathered herself together, she was like, You're projecting your insecurities onto me. And that just really tells me enough that she felt this way the whole time as they were in this process, but she didn't say anything. And I wish she would have. I really wish she would have. But I think, and you know, I wish she would have because it comes off that she was trying to be with him, you know. And she said things like, well, you know, I receive you, you know, receive whenever he'll give her feedback about her negative moods or her Spending too much. Uh, well, she only said receives. particularly if he's talking to her about her moods and how she's sometimes negative. So I think that's fine for her. To, that's good feedback. But as far as him always picking at her for wanting finer things is just ridiculous to me. And it says a lot about him and his mindset about money. So ultimately, I think Merla was not attractive to him from the beginning and she just eventually played along with it because look, we're on the show, we get paid for every for every episode. Let me just make the best out of it. And maybe she does see cuz she did say he's a good guy as far as like he has good traits to him, but he's not the guy for her. And that's very well. That is very well. Like that's fine. Let's move on. And yes, this is this is <laughs> clearly you can see gill upset and again when i watched it y'all i was i was taken aback too because merla never shared even in the confessionals with us she never shared her annoyance when it comes to gill always complaining about her she never said that so it everything took me aback as well it made me wonder like damn girl have you been faking it this whole time? And yes, I think she has. But I also understand where she was coming from. So I'm down. <laughs> I'm down that she um, that she stood up to him and said, you know what? I don't want to be with you. I'm not attracted to you. I'm not happy. And I'm out. <laughs> and out she is. And out she was with Rachel on her heart girl summer shit, because apparently her and Rachel had been hanging out and was hanging out the summer and um, was living their best life. Rachel decided to let go of Jose as well, and she had enough when she moved into his house, and Ra- Jose was always picking at her to unpack, and why you have this stuff here? Why you have that stuff? Or why do you even have this stuff? And look, on one hand, I get how Jose is as far as organization because I'm very organized, too. And I think ultimately when you have two people who don't meet each other as far as organization goes, that is always a recipe for disaster. Like, I could not be with someone who is unorganized. And I'm so grateful that Freckles Bay is not that, right? So I really – otherwise, because I remember – what's his name? Lep- Leprechaun Bay. Leprechaun Bay. What's his name? He has a real name, but that's his name on the show, right? That's his name. Lepicombe was unorganized. Yo, when you look up unorganized, you saw this nigga. And I was like, God dang, is he okay? Everything was unorganized with him. Everything. And I would go go over his house you see dishes piled up, you see stains on the dining table, um, the living room had, oh, you know one thing I hate, I hate cup stains, the ring of the cup on the table, I hate those, like, it just, to me, it comes off as disgusting, it is, tells me that there are multiple rings around this house that you have yet to clean (laughs) and it's just so disgusting to me. So when I even see one cup ring stain on a table, that's enough for me to feel so disgusted. I feel immediately uncomfortable. I start itching. Like it's really bad. Like I really hate that. Give me a fucking cup, a cup thing. What is that thing called? But you know, but I hate that. But yeah, Leprechaun Bay had that all around his house, okay, he would brag about, not brag, well, somewhat brag, but he was very proud of the fact that he was a first-time homeowner and he bought a three-story house and he was a um, a landlord of that property and it was very, it, it was, a, you know, he was very proud of it, which you should be. That's great, but your shit ain't in order. Okay, you got this house, it looks good. Ooh, you, you got, you're got you a landlord. You have that under your belt. It looks good, but your shit ain't in order. So, it, again, it goes back to all these things that look good, but nothing really is good inside, right? You go to church every Sunday, but you still ain't shit. You go to therapy every Tuesday, but you still haven't applied anything from your therapy session into your real life. So what? Huh? You got this nice three-story home, but it's messy as hell inside. Why? You might as well go back to living with your mom, having one room, right, one space that you're in charge of, and that's the only thing that you could handle. So anyway, Leprechaun Bay was a hot-ass mess. And every time I went over his house, I felt so uncomfortable because it was so fucking dirty. It was so fucking dirty. Oh, so fucking starts Like, there's no reason why you should be that old. Mind you, he was older than me. He's older than me. There's no reason why you're eight years older than me. Ass should have rings on your table. Cup rings, cup ring stains on your table, and you're you're 37. Okay, got it. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hello, I gotta go. So anyway, think about Rachel and Jose. So Jose being. Super clean and orderly. It's not a fault. I don't see it as a fault. I just see it has a mix up in matching between him and Rachel. You know, I, I think some people are just like naturally or unor- like there are some people who are just cannot they cannot be organized if their life depended on it. <laughs> they have to have dishes piled up in the sink, they have to have cup ring stains on the table. They have to ha- like they have to have mess. I, I don't get it, but I think there are some people out there who are just naturally inclined to being dis- to being disgusting. Right? Just like how there are people who are naturally inclined to being late. I really think it's a thing that is just natural to some people and they have to actively work on it to fight against the natural instincts. As for people like me, winners. <laughs> it is natural for us to be clean, to be on time, to meet the meet the fucking deadline. Meet the deadline. So yeah, Rachel and Jose broke up. And um they broke up shortly after their decision day, and I'm here for it. I wish they would have still been broken up at the point of this reunion part 1 episode. Um apparently they are according to what they're saying, they they've been working on it. They're talking on the phone consistently, but she's not living at the house anymore. She's actually she actually moved in with her mom. And it seems like they're dating even though they're legally married. But look, I'm I'm here to tell you this and I'm here to tell you this right now. They they're not going to make it. Rachel and Jose are going to really finally pull the plug, call it what it is and divorce, and Rachel will move on. Rachel was never really into him. She tried, okay, tried to say all these, like, fluffy things to make him feel secure, but Jose is insufferable. And though I understand him on the whole organization tip, other than that, he's insufferable. He is incredibly self-centered, and that is annoying, right? Like, there's only so much self-centeredness I could take now I have to live with you every like oh we really doing this like this not just a show we're doing oh we really do I think Rachel finally like got overwhelmed and realized oh no we really we're really married we're really doing this um that got to her head and it got to be too much and she finally let out And she said herself that she finds herself every summer, you know, just doing her hot girl summer thing. And that is what she was doing with Merla. Okay. Doing her damn thing. And with Johnny allegedly. So we'll see what happens in the next reunion part two episode. Uh, We'll see how that goes. Oh, I this. Look, although I'm here for the entertainment, it's definitely entertaining. I don't wish that Married at First Sight, I don't wish that it turns into this, like, trash reality TV. (sighs) Since last season, Chris and Paige really left all of us as viewers traumatized, and this season has made it even worse. So, I'm hoping with the next season that I'm hearing is already being, it's already being in the process. So, probably... Early next year, we'll see the next season of Married at First Sight come up. I'm hoping with this new season, yes, it's entertaining, but I hope it's not to the point that it has been of trash reality entertainment. I don't, I, don't, I hope it's not like that anymore. So we'll see, child. We'll see. On this case, I'm gonna end it here. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Tell a friend it's a tell a friend, and I'll check in with you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.